0: Hey everybody, this is Pastor Mark Page. Welcome back to my Word from God podcast. So glad you're here.
1: It's time for a word, a word from God.
0: Hey everybody, Um, This is Pastor Mark Page once again, coming back to you with uh, today's word from God. And today we're going to be turning in our Bibles to Luke chapter 23 to look at the story of the cross. This is Good Friday. This is uh, the next step that Jesus took towards our redemption, towards fulfilling his mission and the kingdom of God coming to earth. And it's here that we see all of our redemption, all of our hope. All of our future, even our sin and our past, placed on this man, the Son of God. If you've been following along with us this week, um, welcome back. Uh, This series is called Don't Miss Your Messiah, Following the Footsteps of Christ. We have followed Jesus all the way from the triumphal entry at Jerusalem um, to the cross now. On Good Friday the The night before, we I'm going to give you some perspective, some context here. The night before Jesus was placed in the the to, the dungeon, um, the pit at Caiaphas's house, and I know because I've been in Jerusalem that that pit that he was placed in um, would have been completely dark. He was bloodied from being beaten. He was in agony um, from being abused, and He would have had some ropes under his armpits and wouldn't have known when they were just going to yank him back out of the dark pit and up um, to lead him to the crucifixion. He would have been covered in blood. He would have been covered in sweat. He would have been covered in um, his own urine and excrement, and it would have been the most disgusting low place for anyone to be or for anyone to experience. But this is what Jesus went through the night before the crucifixion so that you and I could have hope in Luke chapter 23 then um I'm going to give you I'm not going to go through the the actual trials of of Jesus with Pilate and Herod and then Pilate again but we know um that Jesus is tried by Pilate and he can't find any sin in him and uh, then he sends him to Herod because he's just trying to figure out what to do with this Jew that all the Jews want killed and Herod was excited he wanted to see a miracle he'd heard stories you know he just wanted to see this Jesus do something cool, something interesting, and, and he goes, and Herod sends him back and says, I found nothing deserving of death in him, and then Pilate drives Jesus again, and he washes his hands of it, and he says, we'll release Barabbas to you. Um, his wife, Pilate's wife, even came to him and said, I had horrible dreams, don't do this to this man, and and uh, But the people and um, the crowd and the mob, as they shouted, crucify him, crucify him, he's a blasphemer. And they made up all kinds of lies and, and treacherous and uh, awful things about Jesus to get him killed. Um, they, were, they didn't realize it, but the whole time they were trying to fight with vigor for their God, Yahweh, they didn't know that they were putting him on a cross. They missed the Messiah this message is called, uh, very simply, Finished. Jesus has finished His work, and we're going to see how He does that. And what I want to do today is I just want to look at Luke 23, starting in verse 26. Um, and we're going to talk about what Jesus completed for us, what Jesus finished. Uh, we hear it a lot, it is finished, to tell us die. We um we revel in that it is finished. But what exactly was finished? I think it's important to know what exactly Jesus did and how exactly He did it, so that we can better understand how to tell people the message and the hope of Jesus. And we want to we want to glean from what Jesus did, even on the cross, and how He um, loved, even on the cross. Matt, or, uh, Luke twenty three twenty six says this. Now they. Le- Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of the people followed him, and women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs, and that that never bore, and breast which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them, that's the religious leaders, sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming off and offering him sour wine. And saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was also written over him, In letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, this is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will also be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together in that sight, to that sight, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts and returned. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member and a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision. Indeed, he was from Arimathea a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock, where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. I just want to pray over you. I want to share um, this message with you, and then I'm going to leave you guys with a song called Only by the Cross. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your great love for us. This love with which you've loved us that brought us, God, you've brought us into heavenly places to be seated with you and with Christ. God, and today we thank you for the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate payment for our sin that Jesus bore in himself on the cross. He bore our sin. He took the shame, uh, despising the cross. And we know today, Jesus, that you are glorified with the Father. But as we, as we weigh through what you went through and what you've done, I pray that we would have clarity and understanding uh, on the significance of the cross. On the significance of the words, It is finished. Jesus, bring your Holy Spirit now, I pray, to whoever hears this message that if they don't know you, Jesus, that they would be saved and you would redeem them by your blood. And if they do know you, Jesus, that they would be strengthened to walk and to carry their crosses and to follow the footsteps of their Messiah. And Jesus, don't let us miss you today. During this podcast, Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have free reign to teach and to minister to whoever hears it. And Lord, I pray for... The hurting today, the broken today, those who are um, currently in lockdown due to the coronavirus. And uh, God, whatever thing, whatever anxiety, whatever fear, whatever passion, whatever struggle um, your church is in today, and the individuals that hear this message are in today, God, I pray that your spirit would move right now and give them clarity, peace, deliverance, hope, joy, a future, a plan. God, we know that you're with us, that you'll never leave us. And so we just ask you to be with us right now. God, as we virtually gather, two or more of us, to hear your word, I pray that your word would be taught correctly. I pray you would give me the words to say. And Jesus, that you would be glorified above all as the risen King of kings and Lord of lords. God, thank you for finishing the work on the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Basically, how I want to give you this message today and to share this with you is just to give you several of the afflictions that Jesus took on himself to purchase our freedom and to finish his work, to be able to say it is finished. The first thing that I've found from Luke chapter 23, verses 26 and 27, really, but 26 is this, he became weak. We're not talking about another Jewish man that was just born of a regular Jewish family. We're talking about the God of heaven becoming weak. In fact, we're talking about the God of uh, creation, the one who holds it all together, the same one that, that cast demons out, the same one that healed the lame, the same one that uh, healed the sick, the same one that gave sight to the blind, the same one raised the dead to life. And told the sea to be still in this moment has been led like a lamb to the slaughter with a cross on his back. And because of loss of blood, we believe and the agony that he was in and the weakness that he was feeling. They got Simon, a Cyrenian, to carry his cross. Jesus became weak. If he would have just swept in with all of his glory and all of his power, there would have been no sacrifice made that was able to save our souls. The blood of bulls and goats and rams and animals was not sufficient. In order to purchase our freedom, Jesus became weak. In order to finish his work, the first step that he took out of heaven, even to Bethlehem when he was born in a humble stable, was to become weak. So weak, in fact, that a man, another man, one of his creation, had to carry the physical cross up this hill for him. Don't think for a second that your God didn't lower himself to where you are, to meet you where you are. The goal, I believe, that Jesus had in becoming weak, and I know this is true, was to justify us, to to save us. And so if we're going to apply this this thought to our hearts, we know this. We can now be strong in him because of his resurrection power. And his resurrection power is now made perfect in our weakness as he became weak. So we have got to become weak in our own flesh. we got to stop trusting our flesh, our own ability, our man-made abilities, and start to trust in the strength of our resurrected Savior, As we lay down our physical lives for the sake of Christ, he will strengthen us for the tasks ahead. Jesus became weak for us. Are we willing to become weak for the world, to not be wise in our own eyes, to not trust in the wisdom of the world? Because it perishes. Are we willing to walk in the wisdom of Christ even when it's foolishness to the lost people in the world? Jesus became weak. I see in the narration given in Luke and also in the other Gospels that Jesus did was he became poor. And what I mean by poor is that Jesus stepped into the lowest social class. And I think that that speaks to who God loves. God loves everyone, but he cares for even those people that no one else cares about. Jesus became poor. He became meek. He be- he humbled himself and became obedient uh, to the point of death even death on the cross. So um, if we're going to follow in his footsteps, then we have to realize his humility in the suffering that God had allowed him to go through, in the suffering that God had even called him to for our uh, redemption. So realize this, church, we are not above anyone. We could be in the situation that anyone else is in. We are not perfect except for that we have been redeemed by the righteous one, Jesus. He became poor. And I'm going to give you the next few points um, a little quicker because I do want to share a song with you at the end, so stick with me. It's an original song called Only by the Cross, and I hope that you'll enjoy it. Um, it says there were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. That's also a, uh, a prophetic word from Isaiah, chapter 53. And we're going to read Isaiah 53 here in a minute um, just to show um you if you're tuning in and you're listening and you don't know uh what you believe or if you if you're irreligious um and you're just interested to hear this uh, I'm glad you're here because I believe that this word um this message of Jesus Christ dying on a cross for people that didn't deserve it um will bring life to you and hope to you by God's holy spirit and so all I ask for you is to keep your heart and mind open um to anything that you think God or anything that God would say and could say and he'll speak to you. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and one on the left. Um, Luke does not share some of the details that um, the other gospels do. And right here, we see that um, Luke just says, and they crucified him, but in, in other Accounts. It talks a little bit more in depth, and uh, it goes through the process of what Jesus experienced. We're going to see some of that in Luke here in just a second, but one thing that Luke does not give that I want to share with you real quick is just that when Jesus is on the cross, um, he cries out, Father, why have you forsaken me? Um, which shows me that in that moment, because of sin, the sin of man, and all of humanity, humanity being placed on Christ, um, the Father in that moment, and the Son, forever, eternally a unit, one with each other, are separated by my sin and your sin. And Jesus willingly took this for us. And he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? And, and uh, he cries out and he says, I thirst. And um, so Jesus endured abandonment. He endured Im- abandonment. From both his father, from all of his friends, from those crowds that had followed him so faithfully uh, as long as he was healing and giving people food, you know it's it's so crazy that uh, we're we're so similar. We love to go to church when there's a, a pizza party or we love to go to church when uh, they're gonna feed me and they're gonna we're gonna have an awesome concert and there's nothing wrong with that but I, I truly believe that Jesus wants his disciples all of us who claim his name, to take up our cross and to walk not just to the concerts, not just to the pizza, but to him and through the suffering that he has prepared. Here's the deal. Jesus allows suffering in your life to test you and to glorify himself. So if you're going through a trial right now, it is for his glory. But if you're not careful, you'll grumble and complain all the way through the trial and you'll miss glorifying God in it because He is able, and His grace is sufficient, and His Spirit is strong enough to help us actually have peace in the middle of the trial. My wife and I were talking today, and one thing we're noticing about um, this spiritual warfare season of life that we're in, because we're um, currently in ministry, full-time ministry with the Crestview Baptist Church, and we're also um, trying to follow God's call. We believe He wants us to plant a church, and so um, we're in this middle ground of of testing. And then also with the coronavirus, we've been... Just going through a whole different season, I've been trying to do these podcasts, and long story short, um, one thing that I've preached on even this week, but I'm finding to be true, is that sometimes in trials, the only way to get through them is to just endure. It's not going to feel good right in the middle of the fire. It's not going to feel good right in the middle of the trial. It's not going to feel easy. It's not going to come naturally. It's going to be a fight to the finish. But stand strong and stand on the cornerstone. Stand on the rock. Even if the whole world abandons you, even if your closest friends leave you, there is still a God in heaven who loves you. And because he endured abandonment, I don't have to anymore from him. I have God on my side now, and so do you. Just a little word from my heart as I continue. Um, He became poor. He endured abandonment. and Then we see in 34 that he still forgave. After abandonment, after all the pain, after all the things he endured, he still forgave. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. You know, it's interesting to me that his heart was still to forgive people who were sinners, people who cursed his name, people who mocked him and hated him. He still forgave. Where do we fall on that spectrum? Do we only forgive if there's benefit in it for us? Do we forgive at all? How's your forgiveness? How's my forgiveness? I want to be like Jesus, that even when people hurt me and they don't even realize how bound they are, I I, I really believe Jesus wants us to have the heart to say, I forgive you, and even to say, Lord, please forgive them and and leave that in the past so that you don't get bitter, you don't fall. Jesus still forgave. And then we see from 35 to uh, 39, Jesus was mocked. He became weak, he became poor, he still forgave, and he was mocked. It says then the rulers and the people stood looking on, and they sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. Three groups of people mocked Jesus, at least three. The religious leaders mocked Jesus. The leaders of the very religion that he authored and founded mocked him. That's a slap in the face. They missed their Messiah. This whole series is called Don't Miss Your Messiah. Um, Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. Could he have? Absolutely. We saw that uh, at the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, could I not call uh, legions of angels to come rescue me? And then we see that the Roman soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine. Take a moment to get the perspective of a Roman soldier. It's just another day in the life. You've got to de- in order one thing one study I, I heard of was that even for like Nazi Germany and, and um soldiers who are forced by their leaders to do things in war that are just absolutely horrible, and even some of the Islamic militant groups and other other types of I don't want to call out people, but radical nations, I should say the only way that those soldiers as individuals and as people can endure the agony of hurting people like this is to dehumanize them in their hearts and in their minds. And at this moment, these people, because of sin and even my sin, I, they were dehumanizing Jesus Christ, mocking Him, sneering at Him, he was brought lower in their minds than even a person. And he was mocked also by the soldiers. They said, if you're the king of kings or you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. An inscription, I believe, was just there to make his mockery a little more obvious then one of the criminals who were being who were hanged blasphemed him saying if you are the Christ save yourself and us even the man dying by his side blasphemed him mocked him that man didn't believe Jesus could save them he didn't even he didn't he didn't even believe Jesus could do anything he, he was completely mocking Jesus and then the other criminal I love this he says rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. These men were, uh, we know, zealots, um, probably Jewish zealots, that were against Rome. um, And they would have known who Jesus was. Jesus was mocked. But he wasn't only mocked, he gave grace. Even in the midst of this suffering, in the midst of this agony, in the midst of this pain, Jesus gave grace. What a powerful testimony to who he, who he is and who he was and, uh, who, and how much he loved people. He gave grace, greater grace. I want to just talk for a minute about grace. Grace is favor that you didn't earn. Grace is given as a gift from God. Grace is available to everyone, to you, to me, to someone walking down the street. Grace is available. And Jesus is in this moment making grace available to us as people who are not Jews. And he gives grace to the man by his side. And this is what Jesus says. The man says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. This grace is given by God through faith. And if you don't know Jesus today, there's so much hope in the fact that Jesus wants to save you, from your sin, from your past, from who you once were, and he wants to make you new by grace through faith, and he wants to pour his spirit, his Holy Spirit out, and he wants to fill you and change your life. He did that by shedding his own blood, but so many people miss it. It's not just a religion. This is God lowering himself to be on our playing field to meet us where we are just like the woman at the well we see that jesus walks into samaria a place where jewish rabbis never went and he talks to a woman which jewish rabbis never did to break all the social customs that man had put in place to stop people from being a part of god's family and i'm not saying that there was never a time that god wanted separation between his people and others absolutely He wants us to be set apart and holy, but Jesus, and you can see the heart of God through Jesus as he reaches people that even the people of God thought were untouchables. That's love. He says, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And he had the the ability and the strength and the power and the authority to grant that man salvation because of who he was, because he was God. And he was paying for his sin, and even in that moment. He still forgave. He was mocked. He gave grace. Last thing I'll say about grace is that Jesus gave grace even in the middle of a trial. The danger for us, I think, is that when I go through uh, this big trial word, for me, my my wife um, gave me a really good definition of trial today. I said, what do you think, what what would you call a trial? And she basically said, um, she's been studying and teaching, super anointed woman um, that God is using in his kingdom, but she said that a trial is resistance that tries to resist or to stop you from fulfilling your life purpose in Christ. And I would add to that and say that trials require faith, trials uh, require hope, endurance, peace strength. And most of all, I would say a trial uh, requires total trust in your God to get you through it. And I say all of that to say this, just because you're in a trial that wants to to resist you and resist the gospel, that's not a reason to stop showing the grace of God to those around you and to stop giving people the hope of Jesus, and to stop being obedient to the Great Commission. We're still commissioned. In fact, we're commissioned uh, to go through trials as we minister and as we walk in in this, uh, this grace that Jesus has bought for us at the cross. But Jesus gave grace in the middle of the trial. My prayer today is that you and I will do the same. And now I want to talk about a few of the things that Jesus accomplished for us. By his death on the cross. But first, I want to say this. Now it was about the sixth hour, verse 44. And there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. The next thing that Jesus did for us was he died. He literally went all the way to death. And in this death, there are so many, there's so much good, uh, powerful hope surrounding the death of Christ. And also, as we'll see in a few days, on Easter morning, the resurrection. Here's what I would say about Jesus' death. At the cross, when Jesus died, The wrath of God was satisfied for sinners. The wrath of God was put on Christ, was poured on Christ, who was becoming sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Sin was paid for by Jesus. Here's the deal. Everyone has sin. People, I hear a lot of people say, well, I'm a good person. I think God will blah, 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 this or that the other thing. Here's here's the thing. I don't think you're dumb. I just think that you're wrong because the hope of the gospel is this, Jesus saving sinners. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever cheated? Have you ever cursed? Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And the point is this, we're all condemned under this sin because of Adam. But by Jesus Christ, we have been, uh, the sin that that was mine, that, that I still commit sometimes and fall and struggle with, was paid for and paid in full. And now I know that I've been justified freely by grace through faith. Justified means declared not guilty. Now I'm no longer guilty of the sin that I was guilty of because Jesus has paid for it. And I believe in him and on him for salvation. He paid for sin. He took God's wrath. You see, God is holy, and one thing that I think the church and the world uh, that people are kind of missing a lot of this these days is the holiness of God. It is so great to look at the love of God and and the hope of Jesus Christ and the fact that um, God is love. And I absolutely agree with this, this statement. Uh, no. No greater love is this than one laid down his life for his friends. And Jesus, as we just see, uh, as we just saw, breathed his last and laid down his life for you and for me and for his disciples and for his friends. But he wouldn't have had to do it if there wasn't a holy God that had to punish sin. And so I just beg you, I, I charge you, I, I challenge you not to walk and to live in something that Jesus died to redeem you from to buy you back from, to take away, to cleanse you from. And as a Christian, don't walk in the condemnation of your past. Don't walk in the the bitterness of your past. Don't walk in the sin of your past. Don't live and abide in the old version of you anymore. Throw it off. Behold, all things have become new. You're a new creation. Walk in newness of life. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, in Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. He paid for sin. How can we who die to sin live any longer in it? And I'll say this, there's none righteous, no, not one. Only God is holy. Only God can forgive sin. Jesus paid for sin, and he forgives it. He forgives it. He took God's wrath. That word we see in Romans, propitiation in Romans 3, um, 24. I'm going to turn there real quick just to read this couple verses for you. Um, I can hear my my, uh, professor from North Greenville saying, propitiation, it always deals with the alleviation of God's wrath. That's exactly right, though. The word propitiation means the, to lift the wrath of God, and it says this in Romans 3, um, verses 21 to 24, or 25, excuse me, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, faith in Jesus Christ to all to all, and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his own blood, through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. We are redeemed. Everyone in the world that has ever been saved by God has been saved either looking forward to Jesus or by, by Jesus and his blood. Well, we've all been saved by Jesus. I'm going to kind of close the message today by by saying this. Jesus did all that he did to have a relationship with you and a relationship with me, a perfect communion. The word says that Jesus is the one mediator between God and man. The word says that there is no other way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So as you dwell on the cross and the death of Jesus, and you think about the fact that right after what we read, uh, darkness covers the, faith of the, er, uh, or the, the face of the earth, and, and even the veil is torn in two from top to bottom. And I believe that signifies that the, holies, the Holy of Holies has been opened by the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ, that he has torn it so that all men can experience the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit of God and the redemption of God. And we see in Acts 2 that uh, Peter uh, preaches at Pentecost. And he says that, Uh, He quotes the prophet Joel and says that God uh, is going to pour His Spirit out on all flesh. That His male servants and His female servants uh, shall prophesy, and that Jesus, what what this signifies for us today is that Jesus has opened the door for lost people of any tribe, any any nation, any group to come find hope at the foot of this cross. So don't walk around in your life physically or metaphorically lost because there's a God who stepped out of heaven to find you. And there is no other way than through the blood of Jesus. Here's the hope. You ready? Because of what Jesus has done, because he's worthy, I know that Revelation tells me that surrounding the throne of God There will be people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And all of them are going to chant and are going to sing and are going to cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they're all, all of us together one day, black, white, Asian, every nation, every people group is included All of us together will cry out, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And just in case you're wondering, like, you know, I don't think Jesus is that. Like, this is just a story. We've all heard the Bible story. We're going to turn to Isaiah 53 and we're going to read what the prophet Isaiah said about what Jesus would do hundreds of years before he did it. And it and it must at least strike you. Don't miss your Messiah here. Jesus came as the Messiah to the Jewish nation. And if you happen to be Jewish and you don't know where you stand on uh, Jesus and you're still waiting on the Messiah, here's what I would say to you This Jesus is the Messiah that the, that, that the Bible talks about. This Jesus is the Messiah that you are looking for. You don't have to wait anymore. Isaiah 53 says this about the suffering of the Messiah. Who has believed, our report, and to who has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned, every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. We saw that and we see that in the trial, both with Caiaphas and and Pilate and then Herod and back to Pilate, that Jesus didn't defend himself. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living, that's the cross. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked. He was killed with the transgressors. But with the rich at his death, Joseph of Arimathea is going to come and take his body and put it in a, in a brand new tomb that was hewn out of the rock. And I've been to a tomb in Jerusalem where they think Jesus may have laid. And I've got something to tell you today. There is absolutely nothing in that grave. But he was made with the rich at his death because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, Jesus died for your sins and for the sins of the people that you got to go reach. He shall see, here's the resurrection, you ready? He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. I'm a transgressor. That means I'm a sinner. I'm someone who has missed the mark. I'm someone who has not been perfect. And I know today that for me in my life, there's no hope for me outside of Jesus Christ. The last thing I want to share with you, this message is called Finished, and we've talked about some of the things that Jesus completed for us, but I want to go to John chapter 19, verse 30, where he says, So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. We know from Luke that he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so I just want to do a super quick review of what Jesus finishing his work means for you. Jesus became weak so that we can now be strong in him. He became poor so that we could be rich, not on earth, but spiritually rich and alive and renewed and restored. He became poor. He lowered himself and now he is exalted so that as we lower ourselves to be like him one day, we'll be with him where he is in glory. Jesus still forgave. He forgave even in the midst of trials. And his example is there because now his spirit lives in us. If we're redeemed and we're believers in Jesus Christ, we too can forgive people who've hurt us, people who mock us, people who betray us, people who would even kill us. And I heard a story I want to share very quickly with you. Dr. Samuel Thomas is a um, worldwide advocate for missions and orphanages in India. He came to North Greenville University while I was studying there and uh, he shared a message and, and a story about a, a man in his church and I'll give you the short version. This man was a pastor in India. Um, the authorities were and, and really the Hindu extremists were trying to, to kill him. And um, they came to his house. And the leader of that, that group was a man that was well known for hating Christians. And um, they dragged his wife out of the house and they tied her up. And, and this is horrible, but they, they burnt her alive right in front of him, the pastor. And this man whose wife was burnt in front of him went to the man who burned her, to his house, and shared the gospel with him. And the man was wrecked. And the gospel and the, the forgiveness of this man and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ wrecked him. And he gave his life to Jesus, and now he serves as a deacon in the church of the pastor where he killed the man's wife. Now that, if that's not a story of the absolute Love and forgiveness of Jesus, I don't know what is. There is no hope, guys, in this world like that, except for Jesus Christ. That man was able to forgive the man who burnt his wife alive in front of him because he knew he'd been forgiven. You too and I too can forgive people who've hurt us who or who are currently hurting us. Jesus was mocked, so I can expect to be mocked too. For sharing his name. I know that the wisdom um, of God is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. When people mock and revile you, Jesus said, Don't be surprised when they mock and revile you for my sake. Keep preaching. Keep sharing. Because on the other side of the mockery, you're going to find that somebody heard the message and was changed. And even if you don't hear about it until heaven, the truth of the matter is this: somebody is, is looking for hope. And when they see you not retaliate in the flesh, and then when they see you forgive and love people even when you're mocked like Jesus was, then God can use that. That turns, a, that turns a test into a testimony. Jesus gave grace. He gave grace in the middle of the trial. My encouragement to you is if you're at the end of your rope in this in the trial that you're in, give grace to somebody else despite your trial. Show Satan that he's not going to stop your effectiveness in the name of Jesus. Give grace. Jesus paid for sin, so I don't have to live any longer in it. It, it it has lost its authority over my life satan and sin have lost their authority over my life the whole goal that satan wanted to accomplish by killing by putting jesus on the cross and entering the heart of judas was to destroy the hope for mankind so that he could just destroy and steal and kill and continue to be the evil one that he is but jesus defeated sin and i and i didn't say this during the the sermon but when he defeated sin He defeated Satan. And the fact of the matter is this. At the cross, the serpent who bruised the heel of mankind in Genesis chapter 3 gets his head crushed by the king of glory. And Jesus seals the deal after three days with the resurrection. He paid for sin. He took God's wrath, finally, so that I could f- could feel the freedom of the grace of God. Jesus has paid for the sin debt that you owed God in order to restore us to himself. The only way that we overcome is by the blood of the Lamb, and that blood was shed on a cross for you and for me. Guys, as I share this song with you, I pray that you would just let its words minister to you. And if... You need to give your life to this Jesus and you believe him for the first time. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth, in other words, if you say that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you need deliverance today, you don't have to wait till you stop listening to this podcast. Give your life to Christ. Turn over the reins of your life to Him. He will take you and He will use you to do things that you cannot imagine yourself doing in this moment. He will free you from addiction. He will, he will give you supernatural strength to make it through the trial that you're in. Jesus is strong enough because He's not still dead. We'll talk about the resurrection on Easter Sunday. But for today, know this. All of our hope, all of our faith, all of our future, is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. It's only by the cross.
1: I was searching for an answer Looking for a sign Finding only dead-end roads Time after time i was stumbling in the darkness searching for a light when mercy came and found me in the night it's only by the cross it's all i